Welcome to episode 940 of The Sleeper in the Bus. I'm Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Man, I'm back. I'm happy. Uh, you know, I, I hope y'all missed me last couple of weeks between travel. Forgot what else I had. Oh, we have to see. We have Memorial Day weekend. Then I was in Texas. Uh, and so, yeah, happy, uh, happy to be recording today because I've missed it. Um, and then pretty amped. I'm already, I'm already like eyes on the weekend because I'm going to Kansas City Friday. And that means all 30 parks are done for me. Wow. Like, I came into the season with 28 and... I went to Cleveland first, um, not Mother's Day weekend, but that's the, the the weekend after Mother's Day, which is why I missed recording. Uh, and then uh, I last weekend was in Texas with my son and the new ballpark in Texas, as boring as it looks on the outside, it's that awesome inside. Really enjoyed uh, the time in Texas, uh, even though the Rays lost the first uh, of two games I went to. Uh, and then uh, Kansas City next week, uh, Friday was is a holiday. Uh, at the company. And so I looked at it and I was like, you know what? I'm making this happen. Uh, you know, you tried to check off stuff in your list. And so I'm going to go, uh, you know, going to hit, obviously hit barbecue, hit the Negro League Museum. Uh, then I found an Airbnb uh, room for rent. It's in the basement of a house that's in walking distance of the of the stadium. So I'm like, even better. Uh, and I get to boo the Red Sox in person, which I mean, can't <laughs> ask for anything more than that. I'm sure they're going to destroy the Royals, but if they don't, I'm going to love it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna miss next week because of Father's Day, uh, and then uh, we'll have one week back, and then we're gonna miss like three weeks. So, uh, because I'm going on my first vacation since 2019, since first pitch Arizona in 2019. Wow, yeah, that's pretty uh, awesome. Where so, are you guys going? Uh, we're going up to Lake Trinity, which is that main... the place you went last time? Yeah, we, or one we, of the times? We, my family yeah. goes every year but nice. uh, there may not be a lake there because um yeah the the drought in california it's pretty bad but uh, i'm looking forward to getting away maybe uh maybe jason and i'll figure out a way of uh, uh recording maybe before i go or right when i get back or something like the that new laptop maybe it'll have the software because this dinosaur that i'm using to do this it's kind of iffy uh, but even if I've got to record a host and, and whatever to keep the continuity going, because we're probably going to have some trades. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. It's like every time we schedule some downtime, it's like, oh, boy, here, here's some trades. Uh, you know, so that's you'd hate to be uh, um, hate to get that because, uh, I mean, even if you're going to be gone, what's Paul going to do? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think you might have to get together with Paul and, and figure that one out. But uh, I'm going to enjoy that. We are joined today by a special guest. You did mention going to Cleveland. We have Cleveland's own Dave McDonald of the Rotosaurus uh, uh, website and the High Stakes Heat podcast. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, Justin. Pleasure to be here. Uh, really excited. Uh, thanks for having me on, boys. Of course. Remind everybody where you can reach on social media and then plug your work. Uh, that would be at run DMCD. Make sure to add that D. Um... And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, due to, uh, I got pneumonia, I was out for about a month and a half and now I'm just catching up on my, uh, real life job, trying to, trying to get my life back in order here. We haven't done, um, our podcast since the season started. Uh, I haven't been able to write, so it's been a, it's been a little bit of a, a rough start, but hoping I'll have some things for you guys coming soon. Pneumonia for a month and a half. Yikes. I know. It was I had it, it for a two-week stint, and I thought I was going to die. I, uh, yeah, this I, was I, years I, ago in my youth. When I was young and, and, and full of fervor, I had it for two <laughs> weeks, and I lost like 
20 pounds. I was like, oh, this is the worst. I can't imagine having him for uh, six weeks. It's no joke, man. Um, had to go to the ER and everything, but uh, luckily everything's okay. Uh, and actually, Jake's son ended up having uh, my my podcast partner, Jake Halsker, uh, fellow high stakes player. His son ended up having pneumonia as well. Uh, not we didn't get it from each other or anything, but um, so yeah, we, we just really haven't been able to do our pod. In a, uh, but Jake just finished teaching, and uh, I don't know if you guys know any teachers, but you know their their motto every year is "I'll have more time when I'm when when it's summer." So. We'll see if that actually happens. <laughs> oh, they do. I'm a former teacher. I used to have time during the summer, and I would travel. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I know that, but uh, if you, if Jake is uh, – he, he just comes up with new excuses. <laughs> it's like a running joke. He's been saying this for like 12 years. Like, oh, yeah, I'll have more time in the summer. It's like – And then the summer's see. gone. The summer's <laughs> gone just this, like that. This is how I feel in the off season. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll have more, I'll have more time in the off season. I just fill it with more projects. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, he just replaces one thing with another. Exactly. Well, we are going to talk some baseball today. Uh, Definitely go follow Dave on Twitter at RunDMC. You can follow me on Twitter at JustinMasonFWFB and follow Jason on Twitter at Jason Collette. Don't forget to sign up for our Patreon. Uh, If you sign up for the $4.20 tier, uh, that gets you into the Discord, which gets you ability to not only chat with us, but... uh, ask uh, questions for the podcast so hey i got a question Mm -hmm. uh on episode 939 you guys mentioned a watch party with ian anderson i'm apparently like way out of the loop on this could we talk about that for a second yeah that happens and how to join that that's in the discord uh i need to join yeah i'll send can i I contribute 69 cents yeah no you 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 get in for free buddy so uh, i'll I'll send you a link to the discord um and uh you can join the watch party i'm gonna unblock it in my house i had a block from my son for a while because he was being a butthead on Discord with something, so I blocked it. Uh, but I can uh, adjust the privileges. But yeah, yeah, her watch party is like, damn, that sounds like fun. It's How been a lot of fun. That? So I had a mental note to like, I'm going to bring that up and find, find out more about that. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So we just, we uh, we stream a game, and, and last week there was like three or four games on at the same time, and we just bullshit while we watch the game. Uh, oh, yeah. People ask us trade questions or, or things about their league. Uh, we kind of break down starts as they're going. It's It's been a lot of fun. We uh, we had Ian Anderson and was it Patrick? No, it wasn't Patrick. Patrick Corbin was the week before. Uh, Ian Anderson and somebody else. Uh, yeah, this count lo- me in on that. Yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. So definitely uh, go over to Patreon uh, slash Sleeper in the Bust uh, and sign up. And uh, yeah, uh, enjoy uh, all the benefits that come along with that. Uh, let's jump into uh, some news. Uh, uh, Luis Severino leaves his rehab start. He was the one TJ returnee guy that uh, had not had a setback yet. Uh, he was also the one who was expected to come back last when we were starting the season. Uh, seemed like he was going to be the first one back. Uh, this is disappointing. Dave, I know you're the non-injury guy, <laughs> so I'll throw it to you first. Uh I made the joke in one of our group chats, like this, it's shocking that that uh, all the TJ returning guys would, would have issues, and they were Justin. Know, I, I nobody is as shocked as I. Um, <laughs> I, I could never have seen this coming. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, this is this is one of the things I talk about. Um, you do not want to even bother trying to hold these guys. Uh, the the chances that things go perfectly and they come back and then they're effective are so low. It's just not worth it. And I, people see the names, they see Chris sale, they see Luis Severino and they get really excited and they, they're not realizing that they're not 
Luis Severino and Chris Sale. It's a much, much lesser version of them. You can't think of a healthy version of a player and an injured version of a player as the same. You you can't do that. And and that's where people run into problems. And they just want that that name value makes them feel warm and fuzzy. It gives them that that confidence. It's like, yes, I'm getting Chris Sale, but you're not getting Chris Sale. You're not getting Luis Severino. And the setbacks happen all the time. Uh, whenever I see a timeline, I always add at least a month or two to it. So, you know, if they're like, well, if everything goes right, he'll be back in June. I'm like, yeah, maybe all-star break. So um, I just don't even mess with this stuff. Like I, you know, all these guys having setbacks is the, probably the least shocking thing of the season so far. <laughs> Jason, you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, this is easily the smartest guest host we've had on this podcast forever. I mean, uh, A, you guys can't see this, but he's wearing a How to Bunt shirt, and it says, one, don't, and the two is hit a digger. So it's like, mm-hmm. already, yeah. And then he just says what he says, which just echoes everything I've always believed and have stated. Like, I never, and I usually go further. You guys know me. I've said it forever. Two years. Once that guy's hit two years post-surgery, then I'm on board. I will put him yeah. on my team. But Severino had a surgery 227-20, you know, know, and all that. So it's like, no. And even if you go the 18 months where things are maybe you're interested, that puts him in the middle of August. So, no, this was was a pipe dream at best. Yeah. Uh, This thing, you know, hopefully you take your time with him. And even the stuff with Sale, I see people, like, showing video of Sale running in the outfield. Like, oh, he's getting close. It's like, if he <laughs> yeah, throws he's a running. pitch before the All-Star break, if he throws a single pitch before the All-Star break, I'll people, be surprised. People see these videos, and they just blow everything out of proportion. I always tell people, like, don't even look at these videos. Like, they, they have these, like, hype comeback videos, and it's just like, don't look at this, because then it, it, it you stop being smart, and you start getting, like, these unrealistic expectations, and you're like, oh, he's running. He's getting ready. It's like, no. <laughs> We're sitting there right now. I'm sorry. Can anybody remind me? Like, you know, where, where's yeah. he? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have no idea. When is he pitching this year? <laughs> he um, came. And, he had what? He have one rehab start, and he got hurt on his rehab start. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, was one or two. But you know, you mentioned also, Jason. You know, when these guys come back, um, even after 18 months, though, you're you're still gonna you have control issues. These guys never come back and are just themselves again. Like. You're rusty. You haven't thrown in a year and a half. Of course, you're not going to be able to just come back in and dominate again. Like, so then you have to decide, like, how long am I going to hold him after he starts sucking? Because he's going to suck. They have to build up their innings again. They have to, you know, figure out how to pitch again. And you might get a start or two at the end of the season. And it's like by then, the guy who drafted him has already dropped him. And you can pick him up for like two bucks in September. So it's like, that's the only time I would ever consider taking a shot on those guys. It's like, if they're on the free agent pile and you're just grabbing them and for a couple bucks just to see if they can give you a good start down the at the last uh, at the end of the season, but other than that, there's no point. Yep, agreed. I have nothing to add. You guys absolutely nailed it. I agree with you. I avoided all the TJ returnee guys uh, this season, uh, and I, I I understand why people shoot for the upside, but it's just not worth the risk of having to hold that dead spot, especially. In a season like this, where even if you have IL spots, they've been filled, right? We, we've, we've, yeah. We're dealing with so many injuries this year from guys we didn't expect to get injured. That's assuming you play in leagues with IL slots. Yeah, and if yeah, if <laughs> you don't, then you've already dropped most of these guys. I mean, uh, I, I mean, there's a caveat. There's a caveat to this in that, like, what if there's a role change? Like, let's use Sale for example. What if he comes back and is just a reliever? 
Yeah. You know, and then potentially they say, you know, we're, we're going to let you work. And he's a late inning high at leverage reliever in the second half of the season. I'm interested, even though it's not far enough by my calendar, but that's a role change because I don't expect him to succeed as a starter. But if he's going to come in and face three to six batters, then I'm, then I'm intrigued. Uh, if Severino, you know, if this uh, setback hadn't happened, if he were to come back and work late leverage, then it's different. But as you know, as, as Dave was saying, it just gets to the point where people, it's like, you know, just because it's the same name doesn't mean it's going to be the same outcomes or same results. Uh, once that guy comes back, it does take everybody time. Even you, Darvish, as great as you, Darvish can be, you, Darvish was god awful uh, uh, between months fifteen to twenty-three, and then he hit that two-year period and click, and then he's been. That you Darvish that we that we all loved and you know, spends half his time on pitching ninja uh, gifs. So there we are. All right, let's move on to the next bit of news and talk about Dylan Moore uh, returning from the IL. Uh, this is an important one for a lot of people. Paul and I discussed this uh, a few, uh, I think, a few episodes ago that Dylan Moore was still not widely available in leagues because people were holding on to him, especially because of his speed. Dave, I know you're a big Dylan Moore guy. You were kind of beating the drum. I know he's yeah. been disappointing, even though he's given you a little bit of power and the speed. What do you th- uh, see from Dylan Moore rest of the way? Yeah, I, I was a huge Dylan Moore guy coming into this year, and uh, you know I still am. Um, I, I I'm not see- I'm not seeing what I want to see out of him um, compared to what he showed last year. Uh, he's kind of gotten away from attacking pitches, which is what he was doing last year. And he's, he's becoming much more passive. His swing, his swing rate is way down. Um, but this is not a bad hitter. Like he's got a good barrel rate. Uh, I think it's like 11.4%. Um, he's really being held down by a two, two nineteen BABIP too, which should normalize. Um, I actually think this is going to be a good time to own him. Cause I think that that luck is going to reverse itself a bit here, but yeah, he has legitimate some power. Like he can hit 20 homers. And steal, you know, 35 plus bases in a year. He's one of the top five or so steals guys in baseball. Um, I mean, he's got eight steals and he's like has far less uh, or is it nine? I'm not sure. Nine. He, nine yeah. Eight. And he has far less at bats than a lot of the other guys up there because he's been injured now. Um, you know, he's he's hitting fastballs really well as uh, Rotograph's colleague Nicholas uh, Gout um, wrote a crushing heaters piece on fan graphs and uh you know he just needs to start attacking the baseball more like he's p- too passive at pitches in the zone um and uh he just needs to hit off-speed pitches like he was last year and i don't know if he just kind of lost confidence at some point or what's going on but yeah i think he just needs to be a little bit more aggressive but he's gonna help you in steals a lot i mean those seattle's not gonna stop running they're gonna keep running a lot um, and he's a very proficient base dealer and his power is legit. Um, he just needs to make more contact. And uh, I think if he can get back to being the aggressive hitter he was last year, he can do that. Jason, what are your thoughts on Dylan Moore? Well, you buried the lead. He's got six homers and nine steals. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> that's where that's where it gets fancy. And, and of course, he's the greatest player in the league because he went to UCF. Uh, but when you when you look at the uh, one of the things that's always intriguing with him is his spray chart. Like, he has two singles to the pull side. All of his singles go to the opposite field. All of his extra base hits are to the pull side. Uh, and so it's I guess it comes down to, oh, I'm just going to work with the pitch. I'm going to flick it. Uh, it, it. But then, you you know, you mentioned barrel rate. Uh, his chase rate's 87th percentile. Like, he's good. He doesn't want to chase, but maybe too passive because you said yeah. you get deeper in that count. 
and then it's it, then it's become then you get into protect mode, uh, and it's I I too would like to see him be more aggressive early in the count because that's when you're going to see your the most the the, the more uh, quality pitches that the hitter can do something with. But if you're sitting there looking for a particular pitch, and then you're on strike three by the time you see what you uh, you may never even get that pitch. And so I uh, would like to see a little aggressive approach. And quite frankly, he was just before he got hurt, he was starting to look better. Um, and then, you know, then he came up uh, lame. So hopefully he can pick up where he left off. But you know, Seattle, they're going to let him play. I mean, it, you know, the average has been problematic, but, uh, you know, he get when he gets on base, he runs. I mean, to have nine steals with a, a 28% on base uh, percentage, uh, you know, 282, uh, that says something. Uh, and so I'd like to see him play more. I have him in AL labor. Got to get him back in the lineup this week. Um, and uh, I can get Charlie Culberson out of it. Um, so yay. <laughs> and, of, and of course, while he's on all of our benches, he got a homer and steal yesterday. So it's like, he wasn't oh, on my bench. <laughs> oh, well, well I can't. It, yeah, in, in a daily moves league. Week, so. So I, oh, I daily no yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, Seattle loves the guy. I mean, they're going to play him. He's a great defender. Uh, they play him at second base. They can play him in the outfield. So he's going to play, um, you know, he'll probably sit, you know, maybe like once out of 10, out of 10 games. So, but you know, he's, he's an everyday guy. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a huge point that I was going to bring up is Seattle loves him. Uh, And in spite of his struggles, they continue to roll him out there. Uh, I mean, he is kind of, he's kind of doing exactly what I, you know, said was uh, kind of his risk this year, which is, I think we knew he was going to hit for power. I think we knew he was going to steal bases. The question was, was the batting average, especially against right-handed pitching, going to be the thing that costs him time? It hasn't cost him time because Seattle likes him, but it has been one of the reasons why he hasn't been nearly as good uh, as uh, many of us in the industry had hoped he would be. Uh, yes, the, the BABIP is low, but he deserves some of that uh, because of his lack of aggressiveness. So uh, I would like to see him get more aggressive, like you guys said, and... Uh, hopefully that will help things out a little bit, being just a little bit too passive. Let the walk rate drop just a little bit and <laughs> maybe you know, take a few more chances, even if it means you're swinging outside the zone a little bit more because if he can tap back into what he was doing last year, uh, he will be uh, really, really beneficial for those who did hold on to him. Because like I said, he was held on to in a lot of leagues. Still available in like your ES- a lot of your ESPN, Yahoo, CBS t- type league. So if you're playing in shallow formats, go go run to your wire real quick and grab them up today in Fab. Uh, Trent Grisham returns. This has been a very disappointing season so far, Grisham, because he's been just dealing with a crap ton of injuries. Jason, are you feeling more comfortable now that he's back? Uh, because when he's been on the field, he's been very good. 295, 380, 504, triple slash with six home runs and seven stolen bases. I still believe in the talent, and I hate to give it. I hate to uh, penalize him uh, because of because of the issues this year. So I have to stick. I have to stick with them. Uh, it's just the problem with with San Diego is you know they have the depth that they have there, and so he's going to have to fight for the playing time. And if there's a slip up, then he then he can get back benched, uh, and so that's really where I'm I'm frustrated. But he's it's to the point where. He has to get out there and produce because the, it's it's not like the a Dylan Moore situation where they can just continue to roll him out there because they don't really have anything else. They're trying to build for the future. I mean, San Diego has a, a different 
uh, a different charter uh, on, on their on what they need to accomplish this year. Uh, and to let guys just roll out there and, and try to figure it out is not on the is not on their radar. So uh, I'm watching, but I'm also, you know, quick to pull the plug uh, if he doesn't get it together here, you know, by by month's end. Dave, what are your thoughts on Grisham rest of the way? Yeah, um, this is <clears throat> it's kind of a weird situation where Tingler like initially said that he was dealing with a little bit of a heel bruise and quote some lower half stuff, uh, and then he misses three weeks. So call me skeptical, but uh, I think there might have been something more than a slight heel bruise uh, to keep him out of the lineup for three weeks. Um, you know, this is just more of the we're not going to tell you exactly what's going on crap that we've been getting this year. Um, <laughs> I, and, you know, he started he started the season on the IL, and I kind of tend to avoid that. Like, if a guy is starting on the IL and it's not, right. like, a really um, insignificant injury, I, I personally stay away from it. Even, like, highly skilled guys like this, unless I'm getting, like, a really, really good discount on them. Because a lot of times other things pop up then. And I don't – I'm not a doctor, so I don't know how this is all – goes together, but I, I do know that a lot of times when you have one injury in a part of your body, sometimes another part of your body gets injured because you're overcompensating for things. Yep. And so he's had hamstring and quad injuries this year already. And, uh, you know, then the heel and whatever the hell lower half stuff means, maybe, you know, the hamstring and quad. I know that those are things that are persistent. They keep coming up again. Uh, and for a base dealer like him, it's not good. Um, but he is stealing. I mean, he's got seven steals this year. I know he stole a base in one of his two rehab games. Um, you know, if you own him, you got to play him. He's, you know, really, really good. Uh, but I, I, in terms of the rest of the season, if if I can get someone who can give me 80% of him, I'm gonna probably going to look to trade him because I just, I don't know that this is, that he's just going to be healthy now. And like I said, being a, being a base stealer is, it's a tough, thing to have uh that's a tough you know it's not good if he was just like a power hitter and he had yeah. lower body injuries i would be less concerned i guess well even i mean they can't even really give him a day off his legs because you know in, i don't know how many interleague games they have left but you know he's got to stay out there that's the problem right. he's got to stay out there in the field and so yep. that uh, adds to the risk level i mean it, he has been productive one around the injuries but again it, it doesn't take much for for these things to pop up as we've seen all over the league this year yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. And talk about Cody Bellinger, who is uh, dealing uh, with a little bit of uh, injury right now. Uh, Dave, I know you drafted him in the uh, the super. So why don't you give me your thoughts on Cody Bellinger's really disappointing season so far? Yeah. Number one, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> number two, I hate uh, you. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm uh, I'm a high stakes player in NFBC. Have been for years and. Uh, the Super League is like one of the higher, like the main event is seventeen hundred dollars to enter. The, the Super is twenty five hundred dollars to enter. Um, winner gets twenty grand. Um, so it's uh, it, it's a lot of money. It's a, it's a big league, and uh, there were some extenuating circumstances that caused uh, me not to be there for my first two picks, and I got auto picked Cody Bellinger with my second round pick. And uh, for those who know me, he is possibly the last person I would have ever drafted at that with that pick. So I was displeased. <laughs> um, and uh, and, then and course, I will not let him live it down. 
No, you won't. No, you're going to keep giving me shit over this for the rest of probably our lives. But <laughs> um, yeah, so then, of course, he goes down with a leg injury uh, in like the first week. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like oh, and my first pick was uh, Tatis, who granted he's had a really I mean, he's been phenomenal, possibly the best player in baseball when he's healthy, but he's also missed a significant amount of time. So I had both of my top two picks out for a while. Um, you know, now Bellinger with a hamstring injury, supposedly he's returning today. I haven't looked at lineups. I don't know if you guys saw if he's back today or not. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Again, I'm skeptical when I hear hamstring, that's not something that people return to from in a day or two, at least they shouldn't. Um, I'd almost rather they just hold him out for a while just to make sure that he's healthy because a lot of times they're like, you know, it's tight and then, you know, you give it a day or two and then you try to push it again. And then all of a sudden, it's now it's a big problem. Now he's out for a month. So I don't want that to happen. Uh, you know, if he's okay, then okay. But uh, anytime I hear hamstring, I, you know, immediately clench up and I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is, this is, this could be bad. And again, with the leg injury previously, I don't know if maybe these are connected. I don't know if, uh, you know, his body overcompensating for the, for the leg. Now the hamstring's a problem. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm praying that he can stay healthy because I just really hate life that he's on my team. Yeah. The Dodgers have not yet announced their starting lineup for the day. So uh, okay. we, if, if I see it uh, prior to us finishing recording, I will, uh, I will make mention of it, but yeah, this has just been a really, really disappointing season for him. And you have to wonder on top of the calf issue that he dealt with early in the season, now a hamstring issue, if the shoulder's been a problem. And that's one of the reasons why he's struggling so much at the plate. Yeah. Uh, Which is why I didn't want him in the first place. Yeah. And I mean, I passed on him in the second round, kind of late in the second round in a main event, and people were yelling at me on my live stream. And I just didn't want to take the risk. Uh, and yeah. I think that was the better decision. Uh, hopefully he'll be able to, you know, if he's back, he'll be able to get back to doing what he does, which is hit for power and steal bases. But this season so far, one home run, one stolen base, hitting 226 on the year. Jason, what are your thoughts on Ballinger rest of the way? Uh, and, the, and but he, he is saying that it was just a cramp last night. You know, there's, okay. a, there's a fan video of him coming off the field, him pointing to saying it's just a cramp. Uh, so hopefully it is just a cramp for him. Uh, but somebody, uh, you know, I was, I, I lap swim. Uh, we have a competitive size pool in my neighborhood and I was out swimming, uh, last week, last Friday, got 775 yards in, pushed off the wall and both of my calves went and I had to like wall walk to a ladder to get out of the pool. Uh, and that bugged me for like three days. And, but I'm just a 48-year-old dude uh, who uh, <laughs> even gets hurt swimming. And probably the easiest thing ever, I still find a way to get hurt. Uh, so that bugged me for like three days. But uh, I swam 1,000 yards yesterday, no problem. So yeah, I was able to bounce back from it within a week. Uh, but you know, coming into the season, though, Bellinger was one of those guys that was fading. I wasn't exactly treating him like the you know, treating him like Severino Sale type of thing. But there's a reason why tape got auto-picked because everybody else had passed on him at that point. You're like, oh, he's the best ranked guy available. But if, you know, for me, if he was somebody I was trying to avoid just coming off the, the, the injury that he was dealing with. And so uh, I, I've avoided him and it's really not somebody that I'm terribly excited about the rest of the way either. Typically when you have that type of disruption, uh, the, the season never meets your expectations. 
uh, and you know, for Dave's sake, uh, I, so you'll leave him alone. I, you know, I hope he does better. Uh, I'm just, I'm just pessimistic. Yep. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's move on over and uh, finish our uh, our talk of news and notes with uh, Max Muncy. Uh, when I wrote this up, he was just dealing with a side strain. Uh, and now he is on the IL with that side straight. They're hoping that it's going to be a minimum stay. Uh, and Muncy's been very, very good, unlike Cody Ballinger, his teammate. So, Dave, are you worried about Max Muncy? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I just saw this when you put it in the show notes. I, I have him in uh, in Glarf. Um, Justin and I are in, mm-hmm. I guess we're calling it the Earth overall league. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're in Barf and I'm in Glarf. Um and so, you know, it being an OBP league, uh, having Max Muncy, who not only is a, an OBP stud, but who is uh, first, second, and third base eligible, which is really nice to be able to just plug him in wherever you need him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a big loss for me right now. But um, I'm assuming pretty much when I see a side injury, I'm assuming it's going to be an oblique. Is that what it seems like it is? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a minor oblique injury. Minor, okay. I mean, when I see oblique, typically you're thinking three weeks. So, I mean, if it's minor, maybe it's it's closer to the minimum. Maybe it's two weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think that'll uh, hopefully won't affect him beyond that. Uh, but I, I do expect to be without him for a couple weeks. Jason, what are your thoughts on Muncie? Uh, these side injuries are never quite minor. Uh, honestly, when I hear this, I. I look at him like he's out until the all-star break. That's just my thoughts. I would love to be wrong. I have Muncie in two different leagues, but that's how I'm viewing this. Yeah, I, I tend to be the same way. I mean, these these oblique injuries tend to last anywhere from four to six weeks, uh, depending on the severity and depending on re-injury, right? Because these are these injuries that end up getting re-injured yep. when they get back into the cage and start ramping up back activity. Uh, so... I hope I'm wrong because I have a lot of Max Muncy in a lot of spots. Those who've listened to the podcast for a while know my love affair with Max Muncy. Hitting 264 uh, this year, but with a 290 XBA uh, and has a 418 on base percentage. For those of you in on base percentage leagues, you know just how valuable he has been, especially with that triple eligibility, like Dave said. Uh, yeah, I hope he's back quickly, but. Um, I'm not. I'm making plans for a longer term because this is a Dodgers team that has a goal of winning another World Series. They they don't care about just making the playoffs. They're they're gonna save their guys and make sure that they're they're doing right before they get them in there. Though I mean, when I think they're still third in the division, right? So oh no, they, they moved ahead of the Padres, so they're second in the division. Yeah, just play. I mean, you got to think about the long with all of these things. Yeah, you got to think about the long game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, you know, they're clearly well positioned where it's okay if they give somebody an extra two weeks off. Uh, You know, you you may not. Obviously, you want to win the division, uh, but I'd rather, again, just get me into the postseason. Uh, And if I don't want to put that's why I'm kind of surprised that the Mets are going to say, DeGrom, go ahead and make your next start. It's like, really? What are you doing? I think that's a mistake, obviously. Uh, what are you doing? That, that's, yeah. But, I mean, I'm sure DeGrom is, like, probably training him because he's don't that care. kind of guy. I know. I, if I, I'm the team, I do not care. I'm with you. I think it's a huge <laughs> mistake. I, I don't know. Um, I, he's had so many little injuries over the last couple of years. Uh, I, I fear that at some point it's going to be the, the straw that broke the camel's back with DeGrom. 
Yeah, I'm I'm not as worried about DeGrom. I mean, I think when people saw, oh, it's a flexor injury, it's this, it's that, they they weren't actually looking at what the injury was and, and realizing it was just a finger issue and he, he was dealing with a little <laughs> bit of soreness. But MRI came back clean. I think he'll be fine. At least I'm hoping because I have a lot of DeGrom. So, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about today's topic. Usually we talk about fab, but it's not like a really big fab weekend in terms of guys to go pick up. I threw a guy that will be a, a interesting guy to talk about for fab, but I really want to talk about some guys you may be thinking about dropping in some of your leagues because they're struggling right now. Uh, and when I sent it out, I, I put the, the, the stat line that we're going to uh, reference, um, but I will update it as we go because obviously there's been a game since then. Uh, and let's start with uh, Eric Hosmer, who um, when I wrote this, he had a two WRC plus over the last two weeks. He actually now has a negative six WRC plus. And for those who don't uh, realize, WRC plus uh, says 100 is an average. So negative six is the worst WRC plus in baseball over the last two weeks. Dave, what are your thoughts on Eric Hosmer right now? He is really struggling at the dish. No home runs, no stolen bases over the last two weeks. Hit 133, 170, 156 triple slash. Uh, are you getting ready to look for different options, especially in your shallower formats? Yeah, uh, real disappointing. Um, he was a guy who uh, early in the offseason I was into, and then as the offseason progressed, uh, as we got closer to April, I was kind of off of him. But uh, a lot of that was due to because I, I wasn't sure if they're going to keep batting him against lefties because even though they've shown that they're going to keep keep him in the lineup against lefties, he's really struggled against them. Um, but obviously the big, the big thing last year was we saw him raise the launch angle and hit more fly balls and he's back to a 58% ground ball rate. So, uh, and his launch angle is at 2.4. So, you know, he was, uh, he, last year he was at 8.7 launch angle, um, degrees. And then he had, uh, only a 46%, I think ground ball rate or something. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's just not hitting the ball in the air enough to, to do much damage. And, you know, it's it kind of reminds me of Yandy Diaz. He broke up that one year, and then he went right back to hitting ground balls again. Um, I Yeah, I don't know what you can really do with him. He is still running. Like, the, the Padres do run, so he's got four steals, which definitely helps. But uh, I, I think you can definitely move on in, like, 10-team leagues, no question. 12-teamers, I think it's questionable. Um, I might just keep him on the bench to see if he can maybe turn it around. But uh, in 15s, I, I think you're just holding and uh, uh, hoping for the best because your replacement value there is not enough to drop Hosmer. Jason, where are you at on Hosmer? Hey, the good news is, you know, the Padres only have to pay him 60 more million dollars um, <laughs> in that contract. Uh, oh, well, he can opt out years. after next year. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's going to do that. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I just remember all the hot takes like the first week into the season when like he had like, I think he had what, 13 RBIs in the first week of the season. He had some really insane hot start and then went right down the tank, much like another guy that we have on this list uh, about three names from now. Uh, I mean, Hosmer is what he is. You know, we, we, the, everything they've mentioned is, is things that we that are known knowns about him doesn't elevate the ball enough gets to be a singles hitter uh, and to get on a heater had his heater and now that he's off the heater the thing is 
you know, you're probably going to miss the front end. Like as we were talking with Dylan Moore earlier, if, if you if you weren't in a league where you could activate him right away, you missed out on the combo meal last night. But it, like with Hosprey, he's one of these guys that if I have a, a deeper bench that I bench and I'm okay with missing the first week of the heater or the first the first uh, scoring period of that heater just to see if he can get hot again. But if I need to cut somebody, this is pretty easy cut uh, considering you know, he has done nothing for you for six, seven weeks. I mean, you've got it down for about a week here, uh, the last two weeks, but it feels like his drought. I mean, you just look at his stuff and it's just, uh, if in any other lineup, uh, what's, what's anchoring him is he's in a decent lineup. So obviously, so he still gets, he can still contribute some stuff. Uh, but this may be the most fortuitous uh, 33 RBI production from a guy that just doesn't do much. He just has a lot of guys on base in front of him. I mean, it helps with, you know, when, when Grisham's on base 39% of the time and Tommy Pham when he's in the lineup. I mean, the, the OBP is what's driving in. RBI is a skill of opportunity. Uh, it's it's not anything else. And, and Hosper's made the most of it at times this season. But there's a reason why this guy doesn't end up on my team's. Yeah, this is a huge bummer because he made a swing adjustment last year and it really worked for him. But like Dave mentioned, like he's gone back to exactly what he was doing prior to that. Uh, and so, I mean, this is kind of, I, th- I think, the ca- precautionary tale about the, the short season, right? That he he made a change, but it was such a s- small sample in 2020 that he clearly has just gone back to doing what he knows, which is hit the ball on the ground. Uh, and unfortunately, that is not doing it. Yeah, I agree. I think you can drop him in 10-team leagues. Uh, and depending on what's available on your wire, you could probably get away with dropping him in 12-team leagues. But, like, I'm not likely going to drop him for just a, a scrub. Like, I'm not I'm not going to drop him for, like, Rowdy Telez or something like that. So, uh yeah, it's a huge bummer, but I don't see any reason to be excited that he's going to be able to turn this around. The ground ball rate is extremely yeah. high. Uh, the uh, like, like Dave mentioned, the the launch angle is down to uh, you know just about 2. as low as it's been. Two point four is nothing, uh, but it's really. I mean, you look at like his barrel percentage too. He's just not barreling the ball at all. Four point four percent barrel percentage this year. Only eight barrels in total so far. Uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I think I'm, I'm ready to cut bait if I can uh, in your shallower formats. Obviously, in your deeper leagues, you're probably just going to have to hold tight and hope you can accumulate on that really good Padres team. So, I think there will be a little bit of positive regression. I think he pretty much is showing us that he is the guy that he was before last season. So I think you just use, you know, 2018, 2019 as your um, marker of what mm-hmm. you can expect from him pretty much. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, his batting average is going to come up. The the BABIP is running a little bit low, and you've looked at it over at his XBA. He's got a two eighty one x batting average, so uh, that'll come up. He'll be he'll be better, you know. But would I be uh, shocked if he does not get to twenty home runs this year? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think he's gonna at this point. So he's only got five. Uh, most projection systems have him for eleven or twelve rest of the way. Yeah. All right, uh, let's talk about Yerman Mercedes because he was a guy who uh, was has just been on absolute fire this year, but he's really started to slow down. Uh, his uh, WRC Plus over the last two weeks is 22, uh, and he's had no home runs, 
Uh, he's hitting 143 over his last two weeks. Strikeout rate is still amazing at 12.8%, uh, but just not making as much contact. So, Jason, what are your thoughts on Mercedes? Was this just the, the flash in the pan, and now we're back down to earth? I, this is the curse of the Willens Astadio homer. I mean, they, they, I can honestly, I don't know how else to explain this. I mean, when, when the karma that comes with that, he's had one home run since then. He had a home run in Baltimore on, uh, or against Baltimore on May 27th, uh, but that was the last home run that he's hit. So his last two home runs were up Astadio and most likely AAA fodder uh, on, the, <laughs> on the Baltimore pitching staff. But that's been it. But if you stretch back and go back since since the Astadio home run off Astadio, he's hitting 173 with a 40 WRC plus. Uh, and the strike, as you mentioned, I mean, he's still walking 9% walk rate, 15% strikeout rate. So he's not, it's not like he's up there, uh, getting himself into trouble, but when he is hitting the baseball, it's just not going anywhere. Uh, and I don't know if the, the scouting report has basically said, this is how we're going to pitch him. I haven't, uh, dove into the numbers to see what the league has changed on how they're pitching them. It's not okay. He's still hitting, he's still hitting fly balls. Uh, so it's. I, I don't know. I, I mean, the good thing is I think he has, you know, he'll have some eligibility. I know in my league, uh, he doesn't have to catch. He's still DH only. And the guys like trying to give him up just based off the regular numbers, but nobody's biting. Uh, you know, this has been, you know, we're looking at a hundred plus plate appearances of, yeah, he's at 91 since the Astadio Homer and the numbers have been atrocious uh, with him. It's like, if you, if you can use them in the catcher eligibility, yay. And I know it's really tough to say, well, how can I not start a guy that has 290, 348, 438 on the year? But that's so front-loaded. Uh, and it's almost, a, it's almost a Jekyll and Hyde season. And yet you have to figure uh, it rebounds. But yeah, I don't really know if they have another choice. I mean, I saw that Brian Goodwin was called up from Charlotte and had a nice five RBA, a five RBI game in his first game. Uh, so it's like maybe he could lose some playing time if Goodwin. Um, Goodwin's always been able to hit. Uh, he, you know, he too has lefties, and if uh, Mercedes gets put in the platoon situation where he is the short side, that sucks. Uh, if if you were if you've been baking on it, but uh, it's something to keep an eye on uh, with him. He's got to snap out of this. He's 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 always been able to hit, and everybody slumps at some point. But you know, this is getting to be a rather large slump. Dave, are you worried about your men Mercedes? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> coming into this year, I didn't even know this guy existed. You Neither know, did I. Twenty-eight year old rookie, essentially. Um, I mean, sorry, he did have one plate appearance in twenty twenty. Um, yeah, I drafted him last year. <laughs> <laughs> did you really? I did because I saw well, I saw him play in Charlotte. I we get the Triple okay. White Sox here. And he hit the snot out of the baseball. And I was just like, okay, this guy's catcher eligible. And he actually had a good sure. camp. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to roster him. And then I had to cut him because he he, had, he came out the major league stunk, uh, got the one at bat. But it's like they they just never gave him the opportunity. And he went back to the alternate site. We never saw him again. But I actually drafted him last year. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I mean, uh, you know, he looks like the kind of guy who he doesn't swing and miss a lot. You know, he makes good contact. Um one thing I noticed, though, he has an 81% contact rate, but his zone contact rate is only 84%. Usually, guys with an 81% contact rate have zone contact rates in, like, the low to mid-90s. So, I, I don't know if there's something going on there where he's not hitting, like, he's getting those meatballs and he's not hitting them as much as he should. Um, I mean, his hard hit rate is only 30%, too. Uh, that's That's real low. So... I don't know when you're saying he was hitting the snot out of the ball. Do you mean like he hits long home runs like he's done this year? Or do you mean like he consistently hits the ball very hard? 
He just consistently hits the ball hard. I mean, Charlotte is an offensive ballpark. Uh, It it tends to be one of the more hitter-friendly environments in the minor leagues. Uh, But he consistently hit the ball hard. Uh, He hit some long home runs, a lot of loud contact when I saw him play. And so I just had him down as a, you know, let's let's see what happens here uh, kind of of guy. And even me, even the hot spring in the local league, he was the first player I threw out this year. Um, because he had his DH only uh, eligibility. And I was trying to, in my home league, that is a roster spot. And I was trying to fill it up because I wanted to get J.D. Martinez. And so I threw him out and the guy spent 10 bucks right out of the gate. And I was like, oh, he's yours. Uh, and then early <laughs> on, it looked like a great buy. And then yeah. now, he's, now he's trying to dump the guy. Nobody wants him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his BABIP was otherworldly like for i mean you know when you saw the babbit close to like 500 you're like okay well he you know he's gonna come way down from there and so yeah. you know we knew that this was coming now the question is is he gonna readjust is there gonna be another hot streak coming and that's where you know i i don't know i don't know enough about him but i like that he makes a lot of contact uh but a lot of it seems to be weaker but then he also crushes home runs like his max ev is like ridiculous it's like one 17 almost so uh you know he's got a 16.5 launch angle he hits the ball in the air well you're talking about his fly ball rate um I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he has another hot streak in him uh and if, and if you're playing him at catcher especially in a two catcher league uh i i think you're fine uh, you're you're actually good with him as your catcher too for sure um and in deeper leagues but uh you know in shallower leagues i definitely think you can move on i had someone asking me uh, in a DM on Twitter, uh, whether they should pick up Sean Murphy for him. And I said, yes. So, uh, yeah. I, I would definitely pick up Murphy for, for Mercedes. I don't know how many options you guys have that are going to be better, uh, if they're, if he's catcher eligible, but, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, kind of where I'm at with, uh, your mean for right now. Yeah. I mean, here's one of the things that I've noticed with your mean is that as the season has started to progress on, we're seeing his launch angle slowly rise which with the way the new ball is kind of playing out, you actually want kind of this uh, a little bit more shallow of a launch angle to kind of tap into what the uh, the ball does in the air uh, to kind of tap into the power. And I think he may be just kind of over trying to yank the ball over the fence a little bit too much and it's actually hurting him. Uh, I think he's going to be okay because like Jason said, like he's hit just at every level, uh, including the majors. You know, the one concerning part is he's done a lot of his damage against uh, left-handed pitching. Uh, he's hitting 375 against lefties this year and 260 against righties. 260 is, is nothing to sneeze at in this season when, you know, right. the the uh, league average is at about 235. So, but I, I would probably try to hold him. I mean, if he's catcher eligible, I just don't know that you can you move on. I mean, unless you're in such a shallow league where... There's just an amazing catcher sitting out there on the wire. But ultimately, I would try to hold on to him uh, and and see uh, if he can readjust. I mean, he is he is a pretty good hitter in spite of not being able to play defense pretty much anywhere. Uh, so I, I would try. I think. I mean, I think he's got too much talent in that bat to kind of just uh, cut and move on and, and have him get hot again on somebody else's team. All right, let's uh, let's move over to the next guy. That is Nick Solak, uh, who, who has a 19 WRC plus uh, over the course of uh, the last two weeks. Uh, Dave, are, are you a Nick Solak guy? He was really hot start season, but a lot of the work had been done against lefties. Do you think that this is just the righties kind of catching up with him? 
Yeah, it, it's probably some of that. Um, you know, my uh, my podcast partner, Jake, is is a much bigger Solak guy than I am. I do like him. I like the power speed combo. Um, however, he's he's uh, not really running much. He's only got two. I mean, he has been caught twice, but he's only got two steals so far this year. Um, his swing strike rate is is way up to 13 percent, whereas he's usually, you know, the last two seasons, eight, eight and a half percent. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's another guy on that, uh, uh, Nick's piece, uh, crushing fastballs. He's another, uh, good fastball hitter. You know, he kind of looks in a lot of ways, his metrics are actually very similar to Dylan Moore, uh, but with a lower barrel rate and, you know, obviously way less steals though he can run and the, the Rangers do like to run. Um, I, I don't really know what's, what's going on with him totally here. Uh, you know, nothing looks, you know, out of place. He just kind of looks like uh, a mediocre hitter right now. But projections have him at 12 homers the rest of the way, four steals. You know, like I said, the the Rangers, I don't think you're going to stop running. I don't think you can get a ton of steals out of him. But, uh, you know, you should be able to get a 245, 255 average somewhere in there. Um, I, I think he's a guy you stick with. Um, but uh, in shallower leagues, you could certainly move on. Jason, where are you out with Solak? Uh, I mean, flawed guy. You know, one of the things, the the issues hitting lefties has really been the thing that he's done well. Hitting righties has, has been a career problem for him. It's not like he's got a ton of time at the major league level, but we're looking at a body of work of over 400 plate appearances, so we still have some time for some stability uh, and to get some st- stability in that stat, but there's a 64-point split in his batting average between lefties and righties, 300 versus lefties and 236 against righties. Uh, heading into this, you know, coming into the season uh, or looking at focusing just on the season, it's 208 uh, against righties and 279 against lefties, and that's really what it comes down to. Uh, you know, he is uh, a guy that does... I mean, he has a reputation of being a high-contact hitter, uh, has his defensive issues, which is why he was traded straight up for Pete Fairbanks uh, two years ago uh, as that happened. So there are ways to set up Solak for success. But, you know, he does have his limitations. And if you throw him out there, like on a on a first-division club, to use some old language, like on a first-division club, he is not an everyday player. Because he plays for Texas, he mostly is. Uh, and so you you got to take the good with the bad. Uh, and there's a reason why his batting average is down. There's a reason why his stolen base opportunities aren't as uh, – frequent as we had hoped because he just doesn't get on base as much against righties and they're facing a bunch of righties yeah i mean the the underlying metrics are are a little bit troubling to me uh you're talking about he's a guy who's always made a lot of contact he's not doing that this year he's got a 79.5 percent zone contact percentage he's swinging outside of the zone 36 percent of the time uh maybe he can't see the the ball well in the new ballpark and i i I wonder maybe like I, I, the first thing I thought of was like, is he just not like, is he having a vision issue right now? Because to go from a 92% zone contact percentage, uh, last year and 88% zone contact percentage, uh, the year before down to 79% is, is a pretty sharp drop off. And, and the swing strike rate is double digits and, uh, it's 13%. And he's never really had a double digit. Uh, swinging strike rate, except for in a, a small stint in AAA with the Rays back in 2019. So I'm a bit concerned by He's him. also swinging more. So not only is mm-hmm. he missing more, but he's also swinging more. So uh, kind of the, I guess, 
in this way, kind of the opposite of Dylan Moore. He needs to be maybe a little bit more selective. Yeah, I and I think that is exactly the issue. So uh, I I like Nick Solak, but one of the reasons I liked him is because I did think he had more power in that bat, and he yeah. was running. I mean, he stole seven bases on eight attempts last year, and like Dave mentioned, he's two for four on the base paths this year, and this is on a Texas team that likes to run. Like, yeah. they're, they're just not letting him run when he is on base. Uh, it's a bit troubling. I, I mean, you're not dropping him, I don't think, uh, because the, the positional value and he uh, is, is really great, and he is playing every day, so hopefully he'll work his way out of it. But uh, I think people aren't realizing, like, how bad he's struggling right now because you've gotten those eight early home runs. Uh, but it is it has not been very good for Mr. Solak, uh, and I would definitely try to reserve him in my league. Uh, Going to try to hold on and hope that he can turn it around, though. Yeah. Uh, Nate Lau uh, is uh, struggling, um, and Lowe. he actually – oh, sorry, Nate Lowe is struggling. <laughs> uh, uh, he, he's got a 70 WRC+, plus, but that actually went up yesterday, <laughs> so it, w- it was more in, I think, the 22 uh, range uh, when I wrote this up. Uh, Jason, you've been a Nate Lowe detractor, uh, having seen him so much in Tampa Bay, and you turned me around on him because uh, I was a little bit more excited, uh, that, like a lot of the industry. Where are you at on Nate Lowe, who started off super hot and has now been ice cold? And so that's what I was referring to earlier when we talked about uh, when we were talking about Hosmer. When you look at the we look at the game logs, like he. When we look at what what Nate Lowe has done on the season, Nate Lowe has twenty nine, uh, sorry, thirty five runs driven in on the season, but fourteen of them came in week one. If you go, if we go back and look, let's see, he drove in four, two, three, one, and four right out of the gate, first five games. So quick math, that is four. That's uh, eight plus six. That's fourteen. So he had fourteen RBIs right there out of the gate, and then coming out of uh, company you know, finished April pretty strong. But then when you take a look at, at what, you know, stretch it back, not even two weeks, let's go to May 1st, 220, 331, 326, 13 runs driven in. So, like, a question I would have for you guys is, let's say I put you up in the batting cage and then set the gun up at 95 miles an hour. Do you think you could get one hit in, like, 100 attempts? <laughs> hmm. Uh, probably not. <laughs> just say yes for this. Show. Each of sure, you just yes. say yes. All right. So I do, too. Yes. So I would, too, right? So for Nate Lowe's career, he has as many hits as you, the three of us would have against fastballs in that scenario. Nate Lowe is three for his career against pitches of 95 or higher. That's wow. it. That's the problem. And that's why I was a big Nate Lowe detractor. You go back and look at my bold prediction series at Rotowire. This is what I said about is that he cannot hit velocity unless something in his swing changes so he can get quicker to the ball. His swing is just too long. If you throw him a fastball from belly button up, he can't lay off it and he can't catch up to it. Uh, and it's played out this season. He just simply is not hitting velocity. Uh, and if we go back and, and spread it over by the year and look at that for the year, uh, this season, he is he has two of those three hits this year against velocity. So he's hitting 0.56 against pitches 95 or higher. So the league has just said, we're going to throw in velocity. Now, the thing is with Nate Lowe, he's still disciplined enough the plate where he will accept his walk. So he's not up there completely hacking, but pitchers that have good command and good velocity, just Dunsville. Uh, like, I, I, you could put him up there 100 times against Jake DeGrom. He would go 0 for 100. Uh, but you know, <laughs> other guys, with iffy fastball command, he'll draw his walk. So he's, he still does that, uh, that bit. But that's ultimately the problem. Just like 
Nick Solak, flawed player. If he was on a first division club, which he was, that's why he wasn't playing every day. And the whole free late, free Nate Lowe movement, he's going to be, no. And, and I, I really tried to caution people. This is why he's being made available. He has a flaw uh, and it hasn't been fixed. And this is what it is, unless he changes that swing so it's not so long. You know, he is what he is. And, and he's not a starter on a first division club. And I don't know how successful fantasy teams can carry him over the course of a season. You may have enjoyed the first few weeks and hopefully you're able to do something and flip it out. But uh, otherwise, you know, there's a reason why he is uh, the league's caught up to him. Again, yeah, that's exactly what I did in towers is I, I, I flipped him before kind of the bad stretch. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it because I totally bought into what you were saying. I, I went and looked at the swing and, and, saw exactly what you had been uh, kind of preaching uh, for a little while on on low. So uh, I'm I'm actually okay with moving on from him in your shallower formats, in your 10 and 12 team leagues, uh, if there's a better option out there on the waiver wire. I, th- I think these struggles are going to continue, and uh, the park doesn't do him any favors either. I mean, he, hitting in that, uh, in that pitcher park in Texas is going to continue to uh, force some struggles as well, as well as the long swing. Dave, where are you at on Nate Lowe? Um, I mean, that that was a phenomenal breakdown by Jason there. I don't think uh, I can really add too much more to that. Um, you know, the, to compound his problems, he's also not hitting the ball in the air enough. I mean, he's got a 48% ground ball rate. So, uh, you know, it's just like the, the number of things that have to go right for him to produce uh, seem to be adding up more and more. Um, he does give you some steals. He's got four steals on the year, which is not nothing from a first baseman. So... Uh, again, that's just guys who play in Texas, they run. Um, so, uh, yeah, in shallower formats, I think you can move on, assuming you have uh, a decent option to move on to. And in 15s, I think you're kind of just stuck playing him and you're kind of maybe checking ahead to make sure he's not facing a bunch of guys throwing 95-plus uh, for that week. And uh, if if it's a week where he's facing some uh, slower velocity pitchers, then you can play him. And if not, if you can bench him, then do. All right, let's uh, let's move on to Josh Rojas, who's had a uh, kind of really up and down, up and down season. Another one of these guys who uh, his WRC plus was looking really, really bad uh, yesterday. I think he had like a 25 WRC plus coming into t- uh, yesterday's game. Hit two bombs to kind of ruin <laughs> what I was going to bring up. Uh, but he started off the season extremely slow, got dropped in a lot of leagues, then went on just an absolute tear. Over the last two weeks, he is hitting 156, 208, 422. Does have four home runs because of two uh, two home run games. Dave, where are you at on Josh Rojas? Yeah, Josh Rojas was a guy who I drafted everywhere this year uh, that I could because of the fact that he is that power speed guy. Um, obviously a very flawed player, um, but, uh, you know, any time a guy can give you, you know, 20, 25 homers and steals, you know, it's, it's worth taking a shot on him. Um, his barrel rate is, is way up, uh, from last year. Like last year, he didn't hit a single barrel and this year he's at like 7%. Uh, he doesn't hit the ball real hard though. Like his max EV is really low. One of 104.6, uh, with a 39.3% hard hit rate. So this isn't a guy getting up there and, and killing it a lot. He he just, I mean, those nine homers, uh, I kind of feel like that's more or less a fluke. Um, 
Yeah, he's also not running this year. That's that's the biggest thing for me is, uh, you know, that part of his game hasn't really come together at the major league level. Uh, last year, he only had one. I mean, it was only in 70 plate appearances, but I don't know. I just don't think uh, maybe maybe uh, Arizona is just not really uh, running a lot. But, um, yeah, his, he's got a declining hard hit rate and a zone contact rate over the past month. Um you know, 50, 52% ground ball rate, launch angle of 8.3, and uh, and obviously unsustainable 24% home run per fly ball rate. So, yeah, I, I don't think that this, this bodes well for uh, for him moving forward. I, I don't expect to see a ton more homers, and if he doesn't start running, I don't know really where he's deriving his value from. Um, in addition, Arizona loves to mess with lineups. They, they take guys out all the time. Like you don't really have anybody who plays. They're kind of like the Rays. Nobody really plays every single day other than like Cattell Marte. So, uh, you know, he's going to sit some too. So in a, you know, seven game week, he might play five or six. Um, and if he starts struggling, or I should say when he starts struggling more, uh, I think he's going to start sitting more often too. So, um, I, for, for what it's worth, I dropped him recently in a 12 team fan tracks league, uh, for I can't remember who I picked up, but uh, yeah, Rojas was kind of at the end of the bench for me, where I was like, okay, I I don't feel great about this guy moving forward. Jason, where are you out of Rojas? Yeah, it, the up and down thing you mentioned uh, is definitely uh, a problem because he was so awesome in spring training that he got the regular season was terrible early on. Everybody dropped him, then he got super hot. And everybody picked him back up, and now he's super <laughs> cold again. Uh, but you know, one thing I'd push back on is is uh, from what they've said is the, yeah, the lineup's a problem now, but Arizona's getting ready to just start shipping Trading. guys left and right. Yeah. Uh, and so that could that could work itself out. Uh, whereas, so we've, we've seen Rojas go from ice cold to red hot like that. The opportunity could come about again because, you know, David Peralta could be traded. Eduardo Escobar could be dealt. You know, they've got pieces they can move. I don't see them moving uh, Cattell Marte unless somebody just really throws them an offer is too good to refuse. Uh, because, you know, yeah, you know, listening to, uh, you know, and, and Derek and, and Britt talk about it on the uh, the athletic podcast the other day, it's like Arizona and, you know, made the point He's like Arizona never goes into full rebuild. They always like to aim for the middle and see what happens. Uh, and so you, you keep Carson Kelly, you keep uh, Marte, you, you see how everything else shakes out. But I can see Arizona selling off some of these pieces, which then makes Rojas an everyday player. So uh, I don't want to get rid of him yet. It just. You know, we, we've seen what he's capable of. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, he uh, had had an event this weekend. Uh, but even in this bad stretch, he's still hovering right around league average by weighted on base average. So I'm, I'm not willing to cut bait. Uh, and I'm actually willing to buy a little bit low right now with the understanding that a clearer path to everyday playing time should be right around the corner. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Jason here. Is I, I think he's I think he's going to get enough playing time, especially down the stretch, that he's going to be valuable. And there is speed in his game in spite of the fact that he's only got two stolen bases. Uh, and I, I tend to buy the the skills. Uh, yeah, I think it is a little weird the way they run that lineup there. I, and I, I don't necessarily understand it, but who knows? I, they probably don't even understand it. This is such a weirdly <laughs> run organization. Uh, just in general, but Eduardo Escobar will be traded. Uh, Marte definitely won't be. They've got him locked uh, into a team-friendly deal uh, through, I think, 2024. 
so he he's going to be on this team. But there's going to be openings. Peralta could go. Uh, you know, uh, what do they have? Josh Reddick. Like, there's just not a lot of enough talent on this team to continue to block him. A guy who's actually been uh, fairly good uh, so far this year. I know the struggles have been. Uh, a little bit maddening and a lot of people dropped him early on in the season and did not benefit from the hot streak uh, that came uh, after the first month. Uh, but this is kind of what you get from a player who is kind of newer to the majors. I know he's not necessarily young, but prior to this season, he had only played in 58 games at the major league level. And so uh, I think he will end up being fine, probably hitting like 250 rest of the way with 10 plus home runs uh, and another, you know, five to five to 10 stolen bases if they start letting him run a little bit more uh, with upside for quite a bit more. Because we have seen him when he gets hot, just be a really, really dynamic player. And he hits the ball hard. I mean, you go yeah, look does. at the, you know, you go look at his hard con contact percentage, 41% over on fan graphs. But even more impressive than that, his soft contact percentage is under 10%. And this is something he's done uh, before at the majors and in the minor leagues, is he just does not hit the ball weekly. Like he when he makes contact, it's good contact. So and I tend to buy into that. Door. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's move over and talk about some pitchers. Uh, the one guy who is available for Fab this week. Uh, that people, uh, it'll be interesting to see what people do with him, is Jackson Kowar, who has, <laughs> in spite of being a really uh, top prospect, um, has just really struggled. He's only thrown two innings over his first two starts, eight earned runs. Jason, are, are you even interested in putting a bid on Jackson Kowar outside of maybe AL only? Can we just combine the, the him and Singer in this discussion? Yeah, let's do that. Brady I mean, Singer honestly, no, has got a four. I don't want to spend a cent on Kowar. I, I, I wanted to combine these two because I do like Singer. I mean, that kid can pitch, and it's, you know, every now and then something's going to happen. But, like, these two are night and day. I mean, Singer can command a baseball. Kowar right now, for whatever reason, can't. Uh, nerves, you know, I don't know if it's a different baseball at the minor leagues, but – he has not been able to show command. That's just not going to play. Uh, and I'll let somebody else take that chance. But Singer can pitch. Uh, and I know that he's had uh, a couple of rough. I remember when I watched him against the Tampa Bay uh, when he had that outing. He had the outing. Uh, he had a pretty decent outing against a good Oakland lineup uh, last time out. Uh, and so that's where I'm, I'm more intrigued. Like, I want. I'll keep Brady Singer around, uh, especially if I can match up start him. But Coward, let somebody else own that. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on uh, Singer and Kowar? Yeah, I mean, this year has certainly been uh, an exercise in realizing how risky rookie pitchers are. And, you know, it's the same thing we say every year. And then uh, people are like, oh, but this guy's an exception. He's going to be really good. And then and then they come up and they do this. And it's just like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, I, I don't – how can you have any faith? I mean – the first outing, sure, you can chalk it up to nerves, but then he came out and did it again. It's, it's, I don't, I don't know, I, and I don't know that they're going to keep him up. You know, Daniel Lynch struggled; they sent him right back down. I, I, is there any reason that they would keep Kowar up? Um, I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I wouldn't spend anything on him in Fab. If you want to take a, a shot for, you know, ten bucks or less, uh, okay. 
That's uh, out of a $10 million fab budget. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Watch, he's going to go out and shove this week. I know. He's going to be like, way to go, Colette. Well, you know, in, in 15 team leagues, Jason, we, you know, we don't have uh, a whole lot of options. And when you've got mm-hmm. a guy talent, you know, you, sometimes it's just a, Hey, I'm just going to take a shot here. If it works, cool. If it doesn't, I drop them next week. You know? Oh, believe me. I've got, I've got a 12 team. I have two different 12 team AL leagues and it's like, Hmm, <laughs> man, I may need to pick him up. <laughs> yeah. I jest, uh, but every time I sit down and look at the labor and tout free agent report, I'm like, Oh my God, this is awful. <laughs> but Coor lines up if he does stay in the rotation. And like Dave mentioned, he could easily get dropped out. He lines up for Boston. Oh, like, um, are you talking next week or the week after? Yeah, ne- this this upcoming. Well, week. I'll tell you this though. I'll tell you nope. this. This week, I had Kobe Allard. I picked up Kobe Allard in AL labor. You know, getting back to the all, and I was like, oh, I didn't even pay attention. He has got the Dodgers for a matchup. That's going to be horrendous. <laughs> Guess who got the win yesterday? Kobe Allard. Wow. Woo! There you go. <laughs> no, obviously, you shouldn't be starting Coar. I don't care if he's facing the Tigers or the Pirates or the Tigers and the Pirates in a two start. You're not playing him next week. So. Uh, I'm sitting him for at least the next start, and I need to see major turnaround. I'm just saying it might be worth throwing a couple dollars, and I literally mean a couple dollars at him mm-hmm. to see if if he if he if he turns it around because he's you know he has that that pedigree uh, and he had so much success in the minors this year. But uh, right now you can't you can't play him. You can pick him up, but you can't play him. Um, Brady Singer was a guy I was very high on coming into the year. Um, I was really hoping he was going to add another pitch though. Um, he's a guy who I like, uh, you know, he's, he's got a 4.85 ERA, but his Sierra is around four. Um, you know, I had him pegged as like a, you know, three, eight, three, nine ERA kind of guy. Uh, the whip has been really disappointing though. Uh, 1.42 whip. Um, he's a guy who doesn't, you know, doesn't walk too many guys, but, uh, he's been, he's been giving up a lot of hits lately. Uh, I still like him. I, I just think that he need, he's tr- he needs to keep people off of his sinker and slider more with a third pitch. Um, he's throwing that sinker, you know, 60% of the time. Uh, it's 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 actually kind of impressive that he has as good of a K rate as he does, given that sinker-heavy uh, arsenal of t- two pitches. Um, for him to take another step forward, he just needs to add a third pitch. So I think until he does, he kind of – he's like this, you know, four ERA – um, solid strikeout guy, but he's in he's in the right division, you know, in the AL Central. You're going to face plenty of weak competition. So, um, you know, he's a streamer, but he's a guy who I'm hoping can uh, put it together a little bit more in the second half uh, and, and even from here on out because I, I do have him in several leagues, and uh, I'm a believer in his talent. I mean, this was a, this is a former first-round pick, 18th overall. He flew through the minors. He, he went straight from double-A to the majors last year, so – um, he's still a work in progress, but uh, he's he's got the pieces there to be really good. Yeah, I mean, Singer, I I think, is a guy that I would definitely try and buy low on right now. I know, I know the, the surface numbers haven't been great, but in, in some ways he's taken up or he's taken his game a little bit to the next level, adding a little bit of strikeouts while lowering the home run rate. I do agree he needs a third pitch uh, long term that he can't keep rolling out. Uh, you know, his change up at like 4% of the time uh, or whatever it's at, because I mean, it doesn't even, that doesn't even register uh, in terms of uh, third pitch usage. That being said, like 
I think he's a very, very good pitcher. Uh, I like how he gets weak contact. Defense behind him has let him down uh, quite a bit. I think that has hurt him definitely in the uh, in the whip. Uh, like you mentioned, with a one four two whip being uh, disastrous for fantasy squads. But I think there are brighter days. You know, you look. You, you mentioned Sierra. His xERA is three fifty. Yeah, uh, I mean that's. I mean. That's stellar. So uh, I think he's one of those guys that's a little bit under the radar and one of the few guys we're going to talk about uh, that we've talked about today or going to talk about that I've actually actively go out and search for uh, either on wires or uh, via trade. Uh, uh, you mentioned his uh, defense has let him down a couple of times. The one thing I've noticed with him watching a lot of his starts is he tends to unravel when things go mm-hmm. amiss. Like I, I've noticed when there's an error or uh, a close play, you know, just – the, the shit that happens during starts, I I see him not have the composure to handle it. I think that is something that he needs to work on a bit. Yeah, and I mean that I think that comes from being twenty four and sure. not having experience. Like you said, I mean he just blew through the minors, so like he's never experienced these kind of issues. Um, yeah, you know, and he's on, exactly. he's on a team that is it's up and coming. It's gonna be better, but it's not good yet. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, and then Coar. Uh, I, I would throw a couple bucks on him, and I know you, there's no way you can start him virtually in any format next week, uh, home versus Boston, uh, but I just think the talent is there, uh, though the fact that uh, he struggled the way he has, and then what Paul and I talked about uh, last week was that uh, Eric Loggenhagen actually projects him to end up in the bullpen is very troubling. In your deeper leagues, though, I think you throw a couple bucks on him, hope to sneak him through, and hope that uh, he stays in the rotation long enough where you get to use him. But definitely do not overinvest. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, maybe that's – and it's no slight on Eric, but that tends to be the same thing a lot of folks that I listen to read. They, it, without the lack of without the lack of command or a third pitch, that's always a scouting – it doesn't matter how good the two pitches are without a third pitch or without commands, like bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. Uh, we tend to see that a lot. I mean, even, you know, you say say what you want about this current version of Chris Archer. Uh, but, you know, when Chris Archer was at his peak, when his whole, when he was coming up, the scouting report is Chris Archer is going to be a reliever. He's never going to succeed as a starter. He found his success as a starter. Hell, that scouting report was there for Tyler Glass now at one point too. You know, things can change, but that's not not saying that what that's what's going to happen here. But that scouting, it's like it's almost like the evaluators are conditioned, and rightly so because that's you know they've seen so much of this. Is unless a guy's command gets better or the third pitch comes along, that guy ends up in the bullpen. Uh, and so that's when I hear that kind of comment, that's what I always it's like not, you know, that's it's like it's it's not a uh, a black label on that. It's like, oh, he's destined for the bullpen. It's like if things don't change, that's where things are heading. So watch for the change. Watch to see if the third pitch is coming like or Tarek Skubal's case this year. You know, he realized his new splitter wasn't getting it done. So he threw it away. And as much as I'm a fan of new pitches, I'm also a fan of guys realizing it's not working. <laughs> and let's get rid of it and go back to what's working. And so Skubal's look better of late because, you know, he's like, OK, I'm going to go back to the straight change. I'm going to do more with the curveball. Uh, and so he's got three pitches and he's and he's executing well uh, with it. And so that's really I caution people when you hear that, like, hey, go to reliever. It's like, go find out why. It's typically one of those two things, and watch for one of those two things to change. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about Kyle Hendricks. And this is one, you know, I tried to stay away from talking about guys that we've talked about a bunch. So this is why I 
Patrick Corbin and Luis Castillo are on the list. Uh, and I know we've talked a fair amount about Kyle Hendricks, but he has really struggled this season. And the question becomes, I know he was a fourth, fifth round pick in a lot of leagues, but Dave, is it time to start looking for other options? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I mean, Kyle Hendricks hasn't given up more than three runs in a start since May 9th. He hasn't been great. Uh, I mean, the eight home runs over his last start, uh, over his last four starts is not good. Um, I, I've kind of noticed, and I don't know if you guys have, but uh, kind of the the low stuff, high command guys are really struggling this year with the new ball. And I don't know, you know, we've seen it from like Maeda, for example, you know, and, and I don't know enough about, uh, you know, I heard you talk a little bit about it before, how the lower launch angle is better for this new ball. And John Legeza, MLB Moving Averages, has talked about this. Um, I, I'm not a data scientist, so I don't know all this stuff, but it does seem like these guys are really struggling with this ball. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if we can expect Kyle Hendricks' numbers to be uh, kind of in that, um, you know, lower three ERA. I don't know if he's going to get there by the end of the season, but he's still a guy that I want to roll out there. I mean, he still puts up quality starts. Um, he's, uh, you know, his numbers are pretty much in line with, with where they usually are. Uh, the, the, the command is there as always the home run rate is what's killing him. So, um, I, I think it's unsustainably high right now. I think it'll regress. And, uh, but I, again, I don't know how much of this is the new ball or if you guys have also made that connection, uh, kind of like I, like I did. Jason, what are your thoughts on Hendricks? You know, the, the last six, you go back and look at his last six starts. It's really tough to talk about a guy struggling that's six and zero over his last six starts. <laughs> you know, six and zero, six and zero with a two ninety three ERA. Right, that's where we're at. But the problem is the home runs. It's like how how can you continue to survive with one point eight home runs per nine innings? Uh, and so when you look at when you look at the fifth and four seventy three, oh, that's where that's coming from. But he's won each of his last six starts. And like if we were to re- rewind a month ago, yeah, it looked bad. Uh, but he's made it work. I mean, now these aren't ace numbers, but none of us are going to spit at six wins and six starts. We'll take it. Yeah, it would be nice (laughs) if he had more strikeouts, but those aren't happening. It would be nice if he didn't, uh, if he could avoid allowing multiple runs in these starts, but that's not happening. I mean, there's only been one start against Detroit uh, where he's allowed, uh, he he allowed two runs yesterday, and I watched some of that game. It looked good. I mean, it it was vintage Kyle Hendricks. You know, working the ball up and down, painting the corners. I mean, I I liked what I saw yesterday out of him. It did allow two solo shots. Uh, and then Detroit was the one game where he's allowed uh, the only time he's allowed uh, fewer than two runs. But the three, 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 three. I mean, he's, that's what he's going out there. But these are six wins. These are six quality starts by either metric, whatever your league uses. It's been good, but this may also be okay. Time to sell uh, because as you know, things get warmer as they continue to warm up. That home run rate may not come down. Uh, and uh, as Dave said, with the with the command issue, if if he misses a spot and that home run rate stays up there, it's going to be tough. Uh, you know, thankfully he's not walking. A five walks and six starts. That's what's helping that. Uh, but this also may be time if your league allows trades to shop him around. He's already he's back. Uh, especially if you're looking, if, if you're in the middle of the pack strikeouts, you're looking to try to find some more there. Yeah, I mean, part, the home run rate is really really concerning because, like you said. When it starts to warm up in Wrigley, that ball starts to fly out, uh, and he's already dealing with 2.29 home run per nine. Home run to fly ball rate is absolutely insane for him. It's a 23% uh, 
where he's never had one above uh, 15% in his career. I'm a bit nervous because I think one of the things that we, we like to mention that these guys that Dave were mentioning that don't have the premium velocity uh, and really rely on command and control is the margin for error is so small uh, for him. And I'm, I'm a bit concerned. The strikeouts have fallen off where they were last year, and that's backed up by the swing and strike rate dropping from 11.5% down to 9%. Uh, you know, he's given up a ton more zone contact this year, 89% contact inside of the zone. I'm, this is hard for me because I've been a Kyle, H- I went from being like, I hated Kyle Hendricks, like a lot of people in the industry did to kind of coming around going, no, you just got to look at the results at some point and, <laughs> and stop just uh, being scared by the fact that he's a soft thrower. Uh, but I am I am pretty concerned. I, I don't think I would be dropping him in any league uh, because I think the upside is great and he can turn it around. He's only 31, which is a little bit crazy to me that uh, I, I thought he would be a little bit older. But crafty veteran. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I do worry. I, I wonder, like, like the catching, you know, change with Caratini gone if uh, and having to work with Contreras a little bit more, if that's uh, uh, that's mm-hmm. bothering him a little bit. Uh, because it, a lot of it doesn't necessarily make sense. Because when you watch his starts, yes, he he makes he makes more mistakes than he did before. But like the the command is is typically there. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just getting he's just getting hurt by mistakes. I do wonder, you know, and I, I don't know how to quantify what Dave was talking about in terms of a uh, pitcher like that uh, with a new ball. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk in spring training from some pitchers that the ball uh, felt different in their hands. Yeah. Yep, like the yeah. seams were, the seams were higher, uh, that it just didn't feel quite right. And I do wonder if he's one of these guys, uh, like Snell that maybe is just dealing with this kind of new ball. And, and then also I wonder if he's one of the guys that are dealing with the, not being able to use stuff as much, right. Uh, yeah. you know, the spider tack or whatever guys are using. So I don't know that there's anything necessarily actionable here. Uh, but I definitely wouldn't try be trying to buy low, uh, or even sell low at this point um uh, i think i would buy low if i'm getting him for the right price honestly i i think that you're gonna see less homers at i know that wrigley in the summer but i just don't think uh, a guy with his command level and his skill is gonna keep getting pummeled like he is um but uh i i hear you i don't think he's gonna have a typical hendrick season but i think he's gonna be very usable like jason says as long as you're not relying on him as an ace uh i think he's still gonna be plenty valuable all right i was just gonna add listener craig just texted me and said that mitch hanniger left the game after fouling a ball off his knee uh only bring that up because uh he's gonna be the unluckiest baseball player of all time i mean he had to leave the game fouled off his knee obvious pain left the game i mean he is clearly on the trading block Mm-hmm. Uh, given that he has a, I think it's a player option or something like he's not a, a, a rental. Uh, and so like he may have been a more attractive trade target for some teams looking for right-handed power uh, than other guys. So yeah, that bears watching yeah, because that could move the uh, attention uh, another direction for some teams, but more to come there. Oh boy. Yeah, just uh, but Jake that's, Fraley's that's now in the lineup, and Jake Fraley's been playing well. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's a good free, there's a good fab target this weekend. I, I just picked him up in a league, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's finish out with Yimmy Garcia and Richard Rodriguez. Both have blown two saves over the course of the last two weeks. 
are either of you worried that their jobs could be in jeopardy because saves have been a nightmare this year? I'll start with you there, Jason. I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned about uh, Garcia losing the job. I mean, even if you look over since the beginning of May, he still has seven saves. All the other numbers look good. I mean, he's he's blowing them. And Dylan Floro got the save last night. I would be concerned about Rodriguez losing his job only because I also feel like he's a primary trade target, uh, and and there's not a contender really looking for a closer. Uh, you know, there's a contender. One of these guys. Every year we have a closer who's doing well who gets traded at the deadline into a setup role, and you lose those saves, and it feels like Rodriguez is, is like the primary guy that's going to suffer from that. Then again, he only has seven saves on the year. It's not like he's got a ton of them to begin with, uh, but he's probably somebody's closer too. Uh, and if he gets moved to a team looking for relief help, that's going to uh, hurt the impact. So I'm, I'm not concerned about either guy losing the role to performance, but I'm greatly concerned that Rodriguez is going to lose the save chances due to trade. Dave, what about you? Yeah, pretty much same as Jason. I mean, Garcia, Yimmy had one, bad outing uh and it was against toronto so you know that that'll happen um you know where he gave up three runs in a third of an inning but other than that i mean he's put up a whole lot of zeros and the occasional run that he's given up uh this year so i, I don't think he's in any um jeopardy of losing that job and floro and bass have not been good either so uh yeah the only weird thing is that he's had four outings in a row with no strikeouts uh yimmy um, but then his last outing, he had two. So yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's probably just um, just a just a little blip there. But uh, I'm not seeing anything really worrying there. Um, well, they haven't so, go back to back against Pittsburgh twice, I and mean, that's murderer's row. I mean, no wonder he didn't strike <laughs> anybody out. Yeah, for sure. And I, uh, I will say, like the the, uh, the Toronto outing that you're uh, referencing, uh, if you were watching that game. It was pouring like you could not. I I don't even know how he saw home plate. I mean, like the game should have been suspended, but because it was in the ninth, they just did. They wanted to try to get it in. Um, And it was it was just unfair. Like he just he could not like see (laughs) like no one could see anything. And that's why he walked in on Boston. It's five nothing already in the the second inning. (laughs) Palmer's by Simeon Teoscar and uh, Gurriel Jr. There you go. Martin Perez wasn't going to be able to do this all season? I'm so shocked. Shocking. Well, I mean, especially against a team like uh, Toronto that's got so many right-handed, you know, just studs. They still will have Springer back. That's the scary thing. It's like, the thing is, I mean, obviously their bullpens are Achilles' heel. But, my God, I mean, they can just go out there and put five, six runs up a game like this with, with that. I mean, they're running... Uh, Adams and and Jonathan Davis down at the bottom of the lineup and the and the very disappointing Kevin Biggio. But once they get Springer, move Springer up, everybody else slides down. And you know, if you're going to have an opener run against this team, they're going to have to go through <laughs> quite a bit. I mean, that's it's going to be a scary lineup when that battle station's at full strength. It's already yeah. scary. I, I mean, I'm sitting guys who are good pitchers against Toronto. Especially <laughs> I mean, in Buffalo. Oh yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. especially in Toronto. Um, Back to uh, Rich Rodriguez, very similar to what Jason said. I, I'm not, you know, they're not going to replace him in Pittsburgh. I don't think he's he's fine. Um, his velo is down about a mile an hour recently. Um, so maybe there might be something there. But, uh, uh, again, too soon to say. Maybe just a slight blip on the radar. But, um, yeah, I'm concerned that they tra- if they can get anything for him, they're probably going to. Uh, and then, you know, if they don't trade him into a situation where someone needs a closer, then he just ends up being a, a – you know, back end uh, setup man. So 
that's uh, that's certainly a concern if you have Rich Rod. But like you said, you haven't really been getting that many saves from him this year anyways because uh, the Pirates are, are not winning a ton of games. But uh, they actually haven't been as bad as I thought they were going to be, though, honestly. The, the Tigers have not – or the uh, Pirates have not been the horrifically, you know, historically bad team that I thought that they could be. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much my thoughts on those two. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Dave, thanks for, so much for joining us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's it's been a blast, and uh, I'm I'm just very thankful to finally be on one of my favorite podcasts and one of the one of the best podcasts out there with you guys, and uh, really appreciate it. That's a reminder everybody where you can reach on social media and then plug your work at Run D McD R U N D M C D, and uh, you can find me on Twitter, and uh, soon you will see me uh, with some stuff on on Fangraphs as well. Awesome. Jason, what are you working on? Where can people reach you? Uh, I see this. I got a column up about uh, Jorge Soler going up for wire probably tomorrow morning. It's uh, sent it to the hopper Friday morning, uh, but talking about him because I, I look at him you know, getting back to what I was saying about uh, Hanager, who's not a, uh, a, a rental. Soler clearly is. Soler's a free agent coming uh, after this season, but a team's looking for right-handed power. Uh, yeah, I wanted to take a deeper look into where, what's wrong with Soler because you know, we've, we've seen it with Willie Adamas recently with the change of scenery. It's like, boom, all of a sudden, you know, just absolutely breaking. Because, uh, you know, as you and Paul uh, were talking about on uh, the previous episode, like every game's a road game for him now. And so he's hitting mm-hmm. well. Uh, but then even you know, that type of hitter, like Jonathan Scope, uh, over the last couple of weeks, has just gotten red hot. And Scope was just about cuttable in every league format, but he's got a history of hitting with power. And over the last couple of weeks, he's getting hot again. Uh, Solaire hit his 100th career home run the other night off uh, Jesus Lazardo. Uh, it wasn't 100 home runs off Lazardo because that would be a record, uh, but it was still his 100th career homer. And it's like, it's like, oh yeah, this guy really hit the snot out of the baseball. You go look at his, his stat cast data and there's still a lot of good red ink there. Uh, and I, I, I want to like buy in on him. I, I have him in two leagues and I've really resisted cutting him because I just don't want to. Uh, but it's, we know what he's capable of. And I think a change of scenery because the fact he is a rental, Kansas City has no leverage uh, because they're not going to give him a qualifying offer, even if the, if we even have a qualifying offer anymore after the next CBA. Because let's not forget the strike starts the day the World Series ends. There's no there's nothing. So it, we may not even have the qualifier, but there's not a chance that Kansas City is going to tender him anything. So you know, his possible targets could be all over the place uh, in the American League, at least, because you, you don't want to put Solaire in the field you, uh, unless you really have to. Uh, but I'm very curious to see where he ends up. And I think he's a really good guy to start talking to in your league to see um, you know, what it's going to take, because I think in, in a better place. Uh, with a reset, he could have a really nice second half of the season because the the stuff's there. It's not there's nothing completely out of whack. Yeah, 2019 was amazing, hitting 31 home runs off fastballs. Yeah, maybe the league is just not going to pitch him like that anymore. Uh, but I, I'm still very intrigued with what his potential could be. And in leagues where I could have trades, I want to talk to the guy who has him. Yeah, I'm right there with you on Solaire. I, I think he's. 
uh, a pretty good buy low candidate right now. Uh, and I've tried to hold on to him the best I can in my leagues where I drafted him, including TGFBI. My, my team could really, really use Jorge Soler coming back to life a little bit uh, as I've passed my wife in TGFBI. Uh, <laughs> finally <laughs> finally right <laughs> it may only last one day but I, i'm enjoying the day uh that i that i passed her yesterday so uh you I can uh, reach <laughs> you can reach me on twitter at justin mason fwfb uh i write pretty much daily over at Fangraphs, uh and then you can uh read my other work at tgfbi.com and friends of fancy benefits.com as well as hearing me on those two podcasts as well uh, that will do it for this episode. For Jason, Dave, and myself, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season. Thanks, guys.